All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Performance for Life podcast. This is your co-host, Jake Laspinato. And today we have a very, very special guest that I'm really excited about. And I know that Pat is also, we're, we're, we're excited to ask some questions and learn more, but her name is Teresa and last name... Raise back. Raise back. Okay. Okay. I, I didn't want to butcher that. All right. Teresa. <laughs> I should have asked that literally five minutes ago. <laughs> Teresa raised back. She's a mental performance coach and doctoral candidate for sport and performance psychology at University of Western States. She currently has her master's in performance psychology undergraduate in kinesiology, and she came from a background of exercise science and strength and conditioning. She currently is the owner and mental performance coach of Limitless Performance, where she works with various athletes and professionals on mental skills, such as goal setting, purpose, awareness, imagery, confidence, and a lot more. She recently created her own mindset journal that is actually currently being sold on amazon.com called the Live Limitless Daily Mindset Journal, which actually I'm definitely going to purchase. So. Sure. Oh, cool. That's super awesome. Thank you, Teresa, for being here. Seriously, like for taking time. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. I'm so pumped. (laughs) (laughs) I love your energy too. You're like so bubbly and fired up. (laughs) A lot of coffee this morning too. So that. Yeah. 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 Same actually. I'm still like going off my morning coffee and like it's almost 4 p.m. I've been up since 4 a.m. and I'm still like jittery. I'm so That's sensitive to caffeine. <laughs> yeah, as I'm drinking my cold brew right now. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to ask Teresa, like, and I feel like this is just going to be a perfect way to kind of segment into today's discussion, but I wanted to ask, why do you do what you do? You know, why do you study all of this? And, you know, now you're a, a candidate for your doctorate degree why do you do what you do oh gosh this goes like (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite question to ask anybody why do i do what i do so i actually started as a dance major like way back when that's something not many people Mm. i danced for 18 years of my life wow that was a big part that's that was my sport growing up and as i was going through being a dance major, I was helping run a dance studio at the same time, right out of high school. And I was starting to kind of get burnt out on it because it was just dance all day, every day, dancing for myself, rehearsing, performing, and then going and teaching all the way through to like eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And mm-hmm. that's when I was dancing, that's kind of when I found fitness. And I realized, oh my gosh, this helps me as a dancer, as an athlete, and then kind of fell in love with that found out about kinesiology and found out there was a career path for that. And from there, as as you guys know, kinesiology has so many different ways to go. Mm. From there, I was kind of dabbling in athletic training and physical therapy and all of those things that encompass kinesiology that everybody kind of gets experience in. Found strength and conditioning and kind of dove in, jumped in there. I coached at a high school for a little bit for strength and conditioning. And that's when I found NACOA, which is how I met Jake. They do a lot of athletic performance coaching and physical therapy. And it was the perfect place for me to be at that time. And in my undergrad, going through my strength and conditioning in that very last semester, 
I took a sports psychology class and I have always been that one that's been the motivating one and the one to kind of push everybody and be super encouraging for everybody. And I took that class and during that time I had a lot of anxiety and I was hospitalized for panic attacks and all kinds of crazy stuff going wow. on at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was taking that class and I realized I just had this aha moment where I was like, shoot, this is what I'm supposed to do. I've been able to overcome my own anxiety and work on my own anxiety. Why can't I do the same for athletes? And that's, it kind of just fell in my lap and I took that class and pretty much within the first couple of weeks of that class, I signed up for a master's degree in sports psychology or performance psychology and the rest of history. Dang. But it was kind of a long path to get where I was. <laughs> it all kind of related, but yeah, that's it's, amazing. It's funny how that works. Yeah, it is. It is. And like, I, I relate so much to that too. Like the reason I wanted to start coaching and training was because I was like, wow, this is like, this feels so good. Like I love doing this for myself. Like yes. imagine how many people I could help by doing this. Like it's helped me so much. And you know, you bring up like essentially like healing yourself or, or helping yourself through the anxiety and panic mm -hmm. attacks. And like, I feel like that is what's even more important when it comes to like coaching and things like that. Like mm -hmm. I love working with my clients through the mental blocks or even like the emotional blocks. And it's like, you know, I see a therapist weekly. I like to do a lot of like spiritual and personal development and that has helped me so much. And I feel like, especially with, with athletes and even just the general population doing that work is like such a powerful tool and such a powerful freeing thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like a common sense thing that most people feel like, Oh, I should be doing this, but they don't realize they need to do it. And it's the foundation for everything. Yeah. That's one of the things that, you know, really appealed to me when Jake was telling me about you got your mental performance certificate and you're specializing in that. Cause that was something I was actually thinking about going back to school for probably going to put that on pause for now. But, you know, one of the things that I've always found from my own story, you know, that identity shift when I was playing football, I played football for like eight years and played college football and I had suffered a season ending knee injury. And, you know, that transition where you're going from an athlete to just like kind of like an everyday, you know, college student, not having those practices and not having that same routine and, and seeing the guys and stuff, it was really hard for me. And, you know, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but that was probably the most depressed I ever felt. And I think a lot of athletes, when they do finish playing sports, they go through that transition period where it's like, you've literally identified yourself as this athlete, as this person. And now that you're not that and you're going into the real world, it's like, you're kind of lost. And a lot of, I mean, I gained like over 30 pounds. I was like 275 my sophomore because I played offense alignment. And the heaviest I got to was like 315. So just literally like didn't care about my body, like wasn't training consistently, like just super poor relationship with food, super poor body image issues. I mean, I didn't even work out for a whole year because I was just so in my own head of people judging me from going to the gym. I just get emotional even talking about it too. But it's like one of those things that really helped me just kind of break through that limit was reading books and getting into the psychology. Like, I don't even remember how I got into it, but Tony Robbins was probably like the first influence of like personal development that I kind of got exposed to my junior year of college. And 
you know, reading those books and kind of seeing how powerful your state of mind is on the quality of your life was really kind of that first step. And that was kind of just how it transpired to like my fitness. And I ended up losing like a hundred pounds in like six months, completely just applied what I had learned in those books. And that's when I realized like, you know, fitness is going to be that vehicle for me to see those changes. Just imagine what this could do for someone else who's in that same position. And I'm just like curious, like with your pursuit going into getting your master's degree and, you know, getting your doctor's degree, what really fascinates you about performance psychology and really understanding that mental component with people? My biggest and my most favorite thing about sports psychology is just helping people find their purpose. I think it's such like a, just a driver for everything else that you do. And it's kind of something that really rooted me in sports psychology because I was like, oh, this is why I'm doing it. And this is it's what's taking me so much further. So why don't I share that with everybody else? And mm-hmm. it's just something that not many people realize. Like they can work on the self-talk and they can work on their imagery and everything else. But if you don't have your purpose and you don't have your true why, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's going to fuel your fire? And that's always been my most favorite thing about it and what has drawn me to it. Because yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. Now I'm curious, like when you do that, especially with athletes, because like Pat was saying, like, and I feel like this has happened to me at different times in my life too, is becoming so attached to this idea of like, oh, I am a skateboarder or just attaching kind of like to this idea rather than like, okay, what is my actual purpose? Like, you know, cause as an athlete, it's like, if they're, they're playing sports professionally and being paid it's like do you find like that that's like the their purpose or do you like find that like dig a little bit deeper and find that it's like oh like i have a deeper purpose and i don't i'm not knocking like just playing a sport because yeah it's it's amazing (laughs) like how incredibly talented athletes are but like you know do they end up finding a deeper purpose than just playing that sport Oh, definitely. There's always a deeper purpose. And I'm one of those that likes to really dig and pry into it. One of the exercises I do with my athletes is called the never ending why. And it's in my journal. But you basically ask them, like, let's say they're going into their doctorate for sport and performance psychology, or they're going to compete for something. And you ask them why they do that. Or like, if somebody wants to be fit, why do you want to be fit? Because they want to be healthy. Well, why do you want to be healthy? And you continue to ask that why. And usually it ends up digging into a deeper place with a deeper meaning. Maybe it's like, for me, it was my struggles with anxiety. And I wanted to make an impact on others who had anxiety and athletes specifically who are dealing with it and how to handle that in your sport. But it's really just constantly asking yourself to that why. So why do I want to be healthy? Because... I struggled with this disease. Why, why does that impact you? And so on and so forth. And usually, and it can take time, but usually as you get down to the bottom of it, you find that deeply rooted why. And once they find that, once they figure that out and they remind themselves of that day to day and whenever they're struggling or just on a good day, even it really drives them forward and helps them overcome like loss of identity, as you're mentioning. And anything else that they're struggling with. Dang that, you know, it's so funny that you say that because I was just interviewed on a radio show the other day and they were asking me like, Oh, how, like, how do you get people to like stay determined and disciplined? And it was like, 
I asked, why do you want to lose weight? Oh, you know, <laughs> I want to, I just had grandkids. I want to play with my grandkids. Why do you want to play with your grandkids? And it's like, it's so powerful. Five year old, why? Yeah, why? yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And sometimes it can be, I remember one of my coaches doing that to me like years ago. And I was just like, at first I was getting kind of annoyed, like, because, just because <laughs> I just want to, but <laughs> why are you asking me why? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when you really like dig, 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 it's like, whoa. Yeah. And it can get emotional. Like I've had, I've had yeah. people cry with me because yeah. they yeah. found it and it made an impact. And I feel also too, like, you know, especially like, any sort of like, I think experiences you have as like a kid, you know, whether it was trauma or something like that, that you kind of just like stuff down there deep and you never really like kind of resolve it. I also feel like people have a sense of motivation, especially like really like, I think driven people, you know, that chip on the shoulder or, you know, maybe like someone who is just like really ambitious, like there's a certain motivation I think that comes from some sort of either like insecurity or maybe someone told them like, Oh, like you couldn't do it when they were really young and it just stuck with them. You know, every time like they're thinking of like quitting or like giving up or not pushing harder, like they kind of go back to that pain of like remembering like a, like I remember that person like said like, Oh, I couldn't do it. Or I was too big or I was too slow or not athletic enough. And, you know, I think it's really powerful when you're now like working with people who are older and like, you know, they don't really even think of it. And I feel like also too, like society really doesn't talk about a lot of these things as far as like making that time, you know, as a daily practice to really think about like, what's your why, what's your vision? Like, you know, where are you going with your life? And, you know, I think with fitness and health specifically, it's such a great gateway to that, you know, at first it's working on the physical aspects, but then you realize, holy crap, not only am I like a different person physically, but the mental routines and, and, and all those things that kind of accumulate over time, like you're a completely different person. And that's a common conversation I'll have with clients is like, you know, I'll ask them like, Hey, like, did you think that you would be in this position like a year from now? And she was like, no. And I was just like, if you think about it, the person you were back then, the person that went out and ate fast food and the person who, you know, maybe didn't see exercise as something like fun, you know, all these just little routines, she now enjoys it. And now her kids are like, actually like meal prepping with her. She's getting her kids like more involved with like eating healthy. And one of her kids actually has Down syndrome. And I've been working with him the last month and a half and he's lost like 13 pounds. And you can tell like just his personality and, you know, how he interacts because at first he was super like introverted, super shy, you know, really uncomfortable. But over this last month, I mean, he's literally like become a different person. And, you know, I'm asking him these questions like, you know, how do you feel? And like, you know, like what's new? And he was telling me, he was just like, I feel like happier. I feel like I'm more capable. I feel like I can really accomplish like things at work because he works at a like grocery store and stuff like that. And he was kind of just telling me, you know, even people that work with him notice just his attitude changes and, and just the positivity that he is bringing to work. And I think that's something to be said when we're talking about like the mental component and how we can really sort of embody these healthy behavioral changes. So yeah, I kind of just thought of that. So I just going on rant right now, you know, <laughs> we do this a lot on the podcast. That's, that's right. Number one. <laughs> I love it though, but it's so important to have that mind body connection because without one, you don't have the other and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. makes such a difference. Yeah. yeah. Now, have you had people 
Teresa that have had like crazy breakthroughs, like altering breakthroughs that just have completely changed their lives? I think everybody's kind of has their own little breakthrough in their own little way. I don't work more in the clinical area of psychology just because that's not in my scope of practice. And that's where you see a lot of it. But with athletes too, you can actually like the best thing to see. And I've done little mini mindset workshops at my CrossFit gym. And the best thing to see is when they realize, oh my gosh, like if I actually believe in myself, this can happen. Like Mm. maybe I didn't think I could do whatever 300 pound deadlift yesterday, but I told myself today that I could, and I actually did it. And those are the best breakthroughs for me. And the ones that I see the most are when they actually put these things to practice and they realize their true potential. Because a lot of people don't see that. They have other people telling them, oh my gosh, you're so strong, or you do this and you do that. But they don't believe it for themselves. Once they get that click and they realize, I actually can do this, and they Mm -hmm. do it, it's magic. Yeah. That is, that is magic. And have you found like, there's like a common like trait between like why people will feel that way? Like why people may not believe in themselves or why I know for me, like it had a little bit to do, I think growing up, like both my parents weren't like the most confident people. So I feel like, you know, growing up, I was like very anxious. I didn't believe in myself playing sports. Like I actually stopped playing baseball, which I loved. I stopped playing basketball, which I loved because I was, I was insecure. Like I was like, I felt like, Oh, I'm not good enough. Like my friends are all better than me. And that's actually why I started skateboarding because it was like, Oh, I have no one to compare myself to. Like I can just go out there by myself and just like have fun. But you know, it, I look back and of course everything happens for a reason, but I'm like, damn, you know, like what if I just had that person who could have helped me like mentally through that? Like, no, 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 you can do this. Like you are very talented. You, you do have that. So it's like, do you find there's like a common trait in why people end up feeling that way? I think a lot of it is like what you said, like that whole upbringing and how they were raised and who was in their life and the people that impacted them as they were going through life. And a lot of that comes down to self-talk. So because of those experiences that they had from either their parents or at school or in sport or whatever their coaches or peers said, it all comes down to self-talk and like you guys were saying earlier, like when you were younger that I can't do it sticks in your head Mm -hmm. and it becomes a pattern throughout life because you don't address it and it just gets suppressed more and more. And yeah, self-talk is what it all comes down to. You're telling yourself, I can't do this or I'm not as strong as this girl or I can't be as fast as him or I can't kick flip like that guy does on TV or whatever. And it's all just like flipping that switch. Like we have, so our brains are pretty much hardwired to think negatively. We have 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those are negative, which is nuts. So we are hardwired to be thinking that way. And Mm. it's just realizing and catching that thought in the moment and asking yourself, why am I telling myself the story? And yeah, like I said, it just all falls back on the self-talk and those patterns that they built throughout lifetime. Yeah. It's so mm-hmm. crazy how unconscious those negative thoughts are. Like the more that I'm, I'm working always like working to be better mentally. Like I notice like negative things that come in and I'm like, 
oh my gosh, like this is something I would think about every single day. And this is so such a negative thought that I'm not even like consciously bringing up. It's just like, boom, it could be like a little trigger or something. And then it's like, oh man, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not good enough or, or whatever, whatever it is, like you said, whatever story it is, it's, it's, it's so wild that, that it, it, it has that much power over us. Yeah. And like you said, it's just that unconscious. Like we, half the time we don't even realize that half realizing it. Oh my gosh. Half the time we don't realize it's happening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's all about just being aware and actually finding those thoughts yeah. and then switching them. Yeah. Do you have, do you have any specific exercises? You know, like I know meditation is a powerful tool. I mean, just like positive self-talk, but you know, for other people listening or even for us, you know, like I'm always wanting to learn more about like, okay, how can I improve in this area? How can I get better with this self-talk and confidence? One of the biggest things, like I said, catching yourself in the act. So when you think something negative, I'm a big believer in writing things down. I literally write everything down, but write down that negative thought and then ask yourself, why am I telling myself this story? kind of getting down into that inner critic and addressing them so that you can turn your inner critic into your inner bestie and Mm. flipping that script. And I have this in my journal too, where you write down those negative thoughts that you think about of yourself on one side and the other side, you write something completely opposite from that. So let's say like, I cannot clean and jerk as cleanly as this girl over here. On the other side, you would flip that script around and you would say, I'm as strong as I was, or I'm stronger than I was yesterday, or I'm stronger than I was when I first started. And I wasn't able to do a clean and jerk, but now I can. Just something along the lines, something opposite of that, so that you're, like I said, flipping the switch and placing it where you face it. So a lot of writing that down is placing it where you see it. So I put things on sticky notes. Mm. And I might put that positive thought that I flipped from that negative thought on my dashboard in my car or on my mirror or on the door before I walk outside, just so I can remind myself and I can see it every day and say it to myself. Because when you practice it, it's like a sport. When you practice your sport, you get better in competition. Mm -hmm. So when you practice your mindset, when you practice the self-talk, it becomes more apparent in everyday life and in performance. Mm, yeah, definitely. That's so cool. I'm I'm about to buy your journal and some sticky notes. Yeah, Amazon. <laughs> I'm just sticky notes I'm, everywhere. I'm, like, nope. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I was just curious. So, was that kind of like what you did when you were saying you had those like anxiety attacks? Like, was that kind of like similar to what you did when you were learning all this for the first time and just applying that, or was it something like different? It was definitely built over time. When I and this is a part of why I do what I do too. When I first had my anxiety attacks, I had doctors saying, oh, you're too intense. Stop doing CrossFit. Stop working out so hard. Just chill out and hmm. do yoga. And I mean, yoga does. <laughs> but it just kind of shows how mental health isn't as apparent and learned in the medical field. But a lot of it was self-discovery. And I did a lot of journaling. And I think that's kind of where the sticky note thing kind of came from. And then I went through school, I learned more about affirmations and putting things, writing things on your mirror. And that's where I was like, I love sticky notes. I'm going to put things on sticky notes. And I'm just going to place it where I face it every day. That's so smart. That's so smart. 
Yeah. I feel that's gotta be super uncomfortable for like when you're talking to like athletes or people about all this stuff and like, they kind of have to come, you know, in conflict with those things, like with those thoughts, like, I mean, I would think that'd be a big hurdle for just a lot of people just to kind of face that because they don't even want to deal with it or talk about it or even just, you yeah. know, like I said, just put it in the closet. So, I mean, like, how do you kind of help people through that process where they're, they're kind of coming into conflict with those like deep rooted, like negative beliefs? I think the foundation in that is when you're working with them is to be a friend to them and to make them feel comfortable and build that rapport, just like you would in training your clients or coaching. You want to build that rapport so that they're more comfortable with you. The same goes with mental skills coaching. You build that rapport so that they're able to open up with you. And when they feel like they can trust you, they feel like they can trust themselves as well. And like I said, like in sport, you're practicing it and practicing it and some athletes may not feel as comfortable to face those things, but yeah. they take little tiny steps each day and find those little victories in that work so that they can continue to work on that and face those things. Right. But a lot of it does come down to just being comfortable with you and being from that, being comfortable with themselves. Right. Now, I, I assume like, you know, you're obviously having like these one-on-one conversations because it's like, you know, super private, intimate. How do you I guess do you apply like on the floor, like in the action when, you know, the game is going or practices are going or their training sessions are going? Like, how do you apply those things in the moment with athletes? A lot of it. So like, we'll go back to the sticky notes and the affirmations. A lot of that's just having little catchphrases. So like in CrossFit or like, even for myself, when I am doing my own training and I'm out there in the gym, having those catchphrases for myself, like, what do I say? last one best one for like my last set or little catchy things get accurate little phrases yeah you can take from your affirmations and take them into it so before i do a heavy lift get after it or i have something in my mind for my why and just little phrases like that or whatever they're working on breath is a big one Mm. So make sure they're breathing before they lift or before they do the exercise or when they're freaking out in the moment yeah <laughs> taking them back to their breath first and tranquilly and then going through whatever little exercise that they, they have for the floor that's awesome yeah. now yeah. it's it's so cool because like not only i feel like not only is this stuff i know we're we're speaking a lot about athletes but it's like i feel like this goes so hand in hand even with just like the general population of people i feel athletes may be more exposed to this because they're in that environment more but you know the stay-at-home mom of three, you know, who's with kids all day or, or whatever, you know, the, the mechanic going into work every day, working on cars, like, you know, they may not be exposed to this as much. And I feel like it's so powerful to just even take those little steps. And like you said, like it's a practice. And that's something that for myself didn't click for a long time until honestly, recently, I'd say within the last couple months that like, you know, for me, my meditation practice was something I was really working on integrating daily. And I'd always be like, oh, I can't, I suck at meditation. Like I can't get it and, and this and that. And it wasn't until it was like, just continue practicing, like just continue every single day practicing. And eventually it's just like, just everything I feel like can be so easily related to weightlifting. It's like, it's just like weightlifting. Like you want to get stronger, you have to practice. You want to lose weight, you have to continue practicing eating healthy. And it's so powerful, just like the, the practice. But then also I feel like 
as well, like consistency. And like you said, Teresa, like the awareness, I feel like that's like the first step of everything is like having the awareness. Oh, damn. Like I'm thinking negative again. Like I have, Oh, this is that same thought that continues to come up for me. Like you said, let's write this down and figure out when. So I always say that, like you were saying how it can be so useful for other people no matter what you do, maybe you're a firefighter, maybe you're a businessman, or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever you're doing, you're performing in some way or another. Everybody's mm-hmm. an athlete in their own way. So it easily just transitions like that. And I feel like it's super helpful. And then awareness, of course, is a foundation. If it's not my why, it's my awareness of what am I saying to myself? What am I feeling in my body as I'm saying this to myself? How can I flip that? Why am I saying this to myself? Just like knowing those little triggers and those little ticks so that you can address them. Yeah, it's so powerful. So simple, but so like effective. Right? Yeah, (laughs) that's the thing. Like it's so, it's, I feel like too, I used to do this and I know a lot of people do this is like looking for all these different things. Like, oh, I'll just read this book. And I mean, they're looking for like this big (laughs) thing, this big answer when it's like, actually like from my own experience too it's it's the little things it's the simple things that like again over time i feel like i keep repeating myself but again over time those simple things add up to the big monumental oh yeah little by little a little becomes a lot yeah yeah how does how does this how would you say like it applies like with nutrition because i feel like nutrition it, it is a lot of the the mindset you know because you get you know most diet programs and influencers are saying like, this is the way to this result. And, you know, maybe that person isn't well suited for that type of diet and, but they do it anyway. And they're discouraged because they failed and they gained the weight back. Cause I feel like that's a really big issue with just the fitness industry and people going on these like short-term diets and, you know, very aggressive, you know, training protocols. And, you know, they kind of beat themselves up because they can't sustain the weight, obviously. So how do you apply the mental skills to someone that has like experienced a lot of failure and, you know, thinks of themselves as a failure? And how do you kind of flip that on its head where it's like, okay, it wasn't my fault. I just need to keep, you know, practicing healthy habits like Jake was saying or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not a nutritionist by any means, but I think similar to how you work on your middle skills is starting off simple and starting off small nutrition. I mean, and I've been in the fitness industry for ever and in the dance community and everything where that's a big thing, but starting off small and simple, maybe switching one thing in your diet, maybe taking out some certain processed food, maybe you're eating pop tarts every day and that's not impactful on your life. (laughs) So maybe just taking out the pop tarts, to start off and kind of just yeah. building onto it. Habit stacking is what it's called yeah. because it makes it so much easier when you do it a little by little. Cause otherwise yeah. if you're just like not bashing on whole 30 and whole 30 is great, but <laughs> eating clean food, but cutting things cold Turkey and just going straight into everything. Not process, non-processed yeah. can be hard for some people. And then maybe some people does work, but there are people where mentally they're like, shoot, I just cut out all of these things. And it becomes a huge mm-hmm. thing kind of just in limbo of what the heck do I do? I'm craving this. But if they build it on little by little, it kind of sets you up and it sets your mind up to think, oh, I can do this small thing so I can do the next thing and so on and so forth. Yeah. The compound effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And I feel like it's, I feel like I'm constantly having that conversation with my clients because I'm technically not like a nutritionist either. Mm-hmm. I have like a holistic lifestyle coaching certification, which goes pretty deep into nutrition, but it's like, it's like the simple changes that are the most powerful. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's the same thing. If someone's constantly eating, you know, for a long time, when I was in college, I was powerlifting and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I, and I was getting advice from some people that maybe was a little questionable. <laughs> so like I was having meatball subs at 1130 at night Ooh, before I went to sleep. Because I, I, <laughs> I wanted to hit that PR. <laughs> so, you know, but over time, it's funny. But at the same time, like I was just having this conversation with my brother earlier. It's like that mentality for me became an unconscious behavior. So when I did want to like, oh, wow, I actually want to get healthy. Like all this lifting heavy stuff is fun, but I'm like literally not taking care of my body at all. And it was like hard because then it's like, okay, I'm going to start eating better. But all these old patterns and mentalities now are Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> if I don't have that, that steak and cheese sub, but <laughs> steak and egg, you know, I'm going to lose all my muscle and I'm, you know, and that's been a struggle for a long time. And it's like, I always tell my clients, like really simple, like I post about it a lot too, like drink half your body weight in food mm-hmm. ounces of water, drink mm-hmm. three meals a day. But it's like, like you said, Teresa, I feel like it's that, that one step at a time. I'm like, just yeah. cut out soda and start. I have clients that like, don't even have more than a cup of water a day when I start working with them, I'm like, literally don't worry about the food, forget the food, just drink water, just drink water, four cups of water. (laughs) And it's like, because if I was like, okay, drink half your body weight in fluid ounces. Okay. Now here's your four day, five day per week workout program. And your diet's going to change up. It's going to be like overwhelming for a week, but then, then it's going to be like, okay, now all this unconscious stuff's coming back in and I'm going back to my old ways. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just so much easier to find like the small little wins and the simple things as you go throughout the day. Yeah. I had this one conversation with a client the other day and he travels a lot and you know, he likes to go out and party. He wants to lose fat. And I was telling him like, I don't care if you go out and eat, that's fine. But at least, you know, majority of the week taking care of eating mostly whole foods, you know, minimally processed, like you can still enjoy yourself. And I was explaining to him the concept of that small change because he goes out seven days a week. He goes out every day with his friends. And I was just like, bro, like, I know you love going out. I know you like Taco Tuesday. I know you like beer on Friday with the boys. Sunday football, Sunday football's coming. You know, I got you, man. Like, but I was kind of like, you know, telling him like, this is where you want to go. We got Cabo next March, right? You want to lose 50 pounds. All right. Like it's a good goal. We've got a good enough time frame. But right now, let's just start reducing the amount of days you go out to six. I asked him like at the end of the conversation, I was just like on a scale of one to 10, like confidence wise, like how do you feel about just executing on going out six days a week? And he was just like, mm, five. And I'm like, why five? And like, you know, obviously we had a conversation of just like the changes, other changes and that he had to make. And one of the things that he said, which actually I was, I was kind of surprised, but like not surprised certain people that he's around, like his environment, the people just don't support him. You know, they're, they're kind of like, they don't care about fitness. They don't care about health. And so I was kind of having that conversation with him. Like you're making these changes, you're trying to progress in your own health and fitness. 
and people that maybe aren't really focused with that sometimes can be the biggest crutch to your success because you associate with these people. These are your friends. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to get to point B and these people aren't really supporting you and are going to give you shit for it and tease you on it or whatever, like, oh, like you got to bring your meal prep to, to work or whatever. It's like, I feel like the social component of us being human, like we want to feel accepted too. Sometimes even our environment can be, like I say, affect us in a way where it prevents us from even making those small adjustments too. And he was just like, whoa, like I, I didn't even realize it. And, you know, I think that's another thing. What's so powerful of having a coach and someone who is embodying, you know, like taking care of their health, their mental health, they realize like they cannot be the same exact person they are right now to become that version later. Like it goes back to the belief system and it goes back to, you know, the stories you tell yourself because he's partied his whole life. I mean, that's just who he is. And I was telling him like, yeah, but you could change that story. Like we just got to start small. And I, I think it's so powerful too, to like tell him the, like the awareness of how your environment can really impact that. And I'm, I'm actually curious, Teresa, like with obviously a lot of these athletes and people you work with, whether they're working in the same company or they work on this, on their, they play on the same team, obviously they have that support. But for someone that doesn't maybe have that support, you know, like maybe they're just a regular person, like single mom or, you know, just any sort of general population client. It's like, how do you kind of cultivate that, I guess, environment, I guess is the question. Sorry, I'm trying to like, you know. <laughs> I got, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Well, environment's huge. And I'm sure everybody has seen that quote float around that you are the five people that you hang out with most. And it's true. And with those, with our people, with our clients, it's a lot, that takes a lot of reflection and it's hard to be cut off friends and it's hard to be like, oh, I can't hang out with you anymore because you don't support the lifestyle I'm living. Like Mm -hmm. it's not easy to lose friends that way. And that's not always really practical because those people are in your life for a reason and they're there. But with that, it takes a lot of reflection, stepping back. Who am I with this person? Maybe I can set a boundary and boundaries can be super tricky too, but setting a boundary for yourself and maybe even telling them as you gain confidence and bravery and letting them know, Hey, this is what I'm working on. This is my goal. I can't go out with you out for taco Tuesday anymore, or, or I can only go on once a month or something like that. Just letting them know, letting them know your goals in general usually will kind of, build that support so that they can be like, Oh, like you're actually working on something. Let me, how can I help you? How can I support you? Cheer you on as you go. And then mm-hmm. of course, there are those people that they just can't support that. And as harsh as it may seem that maybe somebody that you need to kind of step back from a little bit. And mm-hmm. a lot of that just comes back to yourself and setting boundaries for yourself and realizing this is important for me. This is what I want. And this doesn't support me. And this is going to drag me down. So why is it still here? Just like those bad foods. Like why? I mean, obviously I still have, I have tacos every week. We have taco (laughs) Tuesday every week in our household. Sometimes (laughs) twice a week. (laughs) Either way. It's just like those bad foods. Like that doesn't make me feel good. Why am I going to keep it in my life? Right. Yeah. And I can't even... Well, I shouldn't say I can't even tell you how many people, but there were even a lot of people in my life because like I, I grew up pretty, 
I feel I was insecure in a lot of different ways. And I felt like the more I was doing personal development, the more I was like, Oh wow. You know what? Like this person I'm spending a lot of time with actually doesn't really emulate the kind of person I want to be or the person I want to be surrounded with. So there's actually been a a lot. I wouldn't say relationships that like had a bad ending. Like I was like, yo, I'm out. (laughs) It was just like, over yeah yeah exactly it was just like organically over time there was just like that separation yeah. because it's like again like if we find our why or our purpose it's like for me i want to be around people who make me a better person who push me to be better to do more work on myself so, what would what, you say makes such a difference oh my god yeah it's like it's like game changing it's it's totally game changing you know i i think back to people that I've lost connection with. And they were, like you said, people are in our lives for a reason. And they're those people that maybe I don't talk to as much anymore. Like they were in my life for a reason. And I have mm-hmm. so many amazing memories and good times with them at that point in my life. And, you know, that served me at that point, but there comes a time I feel like where we, we really do have to make that challenging change of like, okay, you know, I, I wish I, I in a way wish Chris was here right now because Chris's journey is really cool. And he's, he's almost three years sober now. And I'm sure like that was a huge shift for him with, you know, getting, Mm -hmm. because there's not, I don't want to say there's not many people. I don't know that for sure, but I would say, you know, hanging around with people who are completely sober, I feel is a little bit more few and far between than the people who like socially drink or socially use, you know, recreational drugs or whatever. So, yeah. I felt that's just a part of growth though. I feel like that's, that's what makes it uncomfortable because it's like, you're kind of venturing off to this place that you've never been before, whether you're, you're trying to be healthy or you're trying to be fast or strong or whatever the case is. I feel like that's the most important thing people should realize is like, if you're trying to achieve a certain level, higher level than where you're at right now, there is going to be that uncomfort, you know, I mean, you can't build muscle without stress on the body. You can't get strong without putting stress on the body. So it's like understanding that it's a fact of life and it's a fact of growth. And, you know, if you really want, you know, the body of your dreams, if you really want to be the best athlete, if whatever it is, there's going to be that trade-off. And, and I think educating people and understanding, it's like, you don't have to cut people out. You don't have to cut out foods that you love, like shit. I love tacos too. I mean, shit. I, 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 I wish I could margarita. Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm a margarita kind of guy. I'm yeah, not a yeah. beer guy. So I'll be the guy that gets like the fancy girly drinks. Yeah. And I feel also too, people think of fitness as like black and white. It's either like I'm go hard, go home or nothing. And I feel like for everyone, you know, you just kind of have to find what you're willing to kind of trade off depending on what your current lifestyle is. And, you know, obviously the changes that, need to be made, but understand like, you don't have to be like this, go hard, go home. That's just what fitness, I think, especially like influencers and people that like have these amazing physiques and all this stuff. It's like, this is what we're selling. This is the ideal epitome of fitness. But it's like that photo was Photoshopped. Like that person probably hates their life because they're super unhealthy and like doesn't have a good relationship with food either. So it's like that. I think that's really important that people should be aware of also too. It's just like, those trade-offs, what you're willing to really kind of trade off for 
that end goal. But it's going to take, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's, it's going to be a process to get to that place. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like you get a coach, you get someone that's has, has, has walked that trail before and can show you that path and avoid all those mistakes and those headaches of wondering like, well, what should I do now at this point? So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Social media has a big impact on it too, because we see all those highlight reels of everybody's lives, but I mean, it's become more and more of a thing now, but not many people own their mess. And mm. I feel like that's such a big part of life is that everybody's life's messy. Yeah. I have my down days as much as I seem like sunshine and unicorns and rainbows all the time. <laughs> I don't, it's not always sunshine, and rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. So just having those people that those influencers that you're saying, like showing their highlight reels and making it seem like everything's sunshine and rainbows all the day is all the day, all day. It's, <laughs> it's discouraging sometimes because people think, oh my gosh, like I'm having a bad day. I'm not allowed to have a bad day. And that just yeah. makes an impact. Yeah. yeah. Do you see a difference between like the younger generation and maybe like your, maybe like older clientele that you work with? Because I feel with this younger generation, having grown up with, I think, I don't, my, my coach was telling me the other day, he's like, this is like the E generation. Like, you know, they were basically raised on iPads and iPhones. You know, I mean, I didn't get my first iPhone until like, I think like junior of high school. So it's like, for us, you know, we didn't really have that growing up. We were outside and, and you know, just, you know, being active that way. But like, what do you kind of notice, Teresa, like as far as like that demographic with social media and how like it has this sort of expectation for athletes, like I need to be the best or whatever. Versus, you know, someone that's a lot older, you know, maybe they're obviously not into social media, but like, you know, they still have those problems. They still have those things that they need to work on. But like, what do you kind of notice in those differences of the the different ages? So I actually have two younger sisters. One is 13 and the other is 10 or about to be 13. Middle school. Both of them are in middle school now. Oh gosh. But they both, I have, especially over this past, I guess, two years now almost COVID and everything and everything being online. I have noticed like it's become very much in the TikTok and Instagram and making like, what do they think on about me on Instagram? And what does this person think? And how does my video, like, how can I make my video viral? Like, and it's so much of just like pleasing people. And I mean, all of us kind of have, might have that little people pleaser in us in some way or another, regardless of generation. But I feel like that younger generation, especially the COVID generation has learned to lean on that. And Mm -hmm. those like us, I mean, we're kind of in the middle, but us and like those who are older weren't brought up on that. And so they can kind of see, depending on who they are, everybody's different, but they can kind of see reality versus Instagram or social media. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, I don't know, like a lot of it nowadays too, maybe it's because I follow a lot of therapists, <laughs> but a lot of people, a lot of the younger generation, like they don't have that perception of what's without social media and what is yeah. social media. Like we were brought up in a time where Instagram was just starting when I was in, my gosh, I don't know, middle school, high school. Yeah. I think it was mm-hmm. high school. I didn't have an actual screen phone until high school. <laughs> How old are you, Teresa? 28. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm 27. So it's, yeah. 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 But yeah, those younger generations don't know what it's like without social media. And so that's all they see and that's all they know. So a lot of it's just separating that and teaching them like, this is real life and 
this person that you see that you're following, maybe their life seems perfect, but behind the scenes, guess what? It's just like you and me. Yeah. We all go through shit. We all have our own, our own shit. That's what makes us unique. And we just need to learn to embrace that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Embrace the suck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was just listening to a podcast. Do you guys know Jay Shetty or follow Jay Shetty at all? Yeah. He was that name. Like an yeah. influencer. Like he was a monk for three years. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah. was just talking to me about him the other day. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So I forget who he had on his podcast, but that's, they were talking about that. I think it was Willow Smith, uh, Will Smith's daughter. But anyway, they were talking about that, like comparison. She has a daughter now? Wait, what's that? Oh, Will Smith? Will Smith's daughter, Willow. You you said Willow. No, 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 I did. I said Willow Smith. Does Willow have a daughter? No, 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 no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But Willow Smith was on and and she, they were talking about that like comparison. Cause I know even like for myself, I used to hardcore on social media, compare myself to other people and be like, oh my gosh, like you know, whatever here, recycle that the negative self-talk, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. it wasn't until I really started to learn, like, you know, we're all, we're all experiencing life in our own way. And it's like, we're all on this individual journey. Like we're all unique. And it's like, there, there is no other Patrick Danava. There is no other Teresa raised back or Jake, you know, it's like, we're all so unique. And I feel like finding that uniqueness is what is so important. And I feel like through what you do, Teresa, and I would say too, to a certain extent, what Pat and I do with just training clients, it's like helping people find that deeper purpose, I think is what helps realize that uniqueness and like, oh my gosh, I am my own person. And I, I can't compare myself to this person who has a completely different life and was raised differently. And you know, so yeah, a lot of that's just like training yourself to actually see that stuff. And like we said, awareness, a lot of it's just being aware of what's reality and what's just there to be a highlight reel and be sunshine and rainbows. Totally. And and it's funny because like, I feel the same way. I follow a ton of therapists and doctors and like, I'm wondering like, because I think like, I feel like more people are talking about this now. It's becoming a little bit more mainstream. And then I'm like, is it just the algorithm though? Like, am I just getting... Yeah, that's what... (laughs) (laughs) As I was talking about that, like maybe not everybody sees that, but I do know like, even with the Olympics, like Simone Biles was a super great example of that. She's in the Olympics. She's the top athlete. Everybody loves her. And she had to take a step back for her mental health. So just little things like that. That was amazing. That was yeah. like super inspiring. Super yeah, that was chills. That was rad. Yeah, because it's like, I feel like I heard some people say, and this was just like, you know, I hear things at the gym. I'm, I'm still at a gym where there's like, you know, just people are coming in, working out yeah. and doing their thing. And like, you know, a lot of people, it's like their, their social hour. So, you know, saying like, why would she do something like that? Like she's an Olympic athlete. And it's just like, I feel like in a way that's a little naive because it's like no like that's actually really strong of her and really powerful and yeah so so much respect yeah there were a few athletes this year the olympics were happening at the same time as the crossfit games too but i feel like i've noticed in both events so many people came back down to that mental health and so many people mentioned that mental health and those aspects behind the scenes that athletes deal with and it just makes it so much more real. It makes them seem yeah. like actual humans, like they are yeah, for yeah. general public because yeah. 
the general public sees these people as their way up high yeah. and amazing and nothing's wrong with them. They're perfect. But yeah. in the background, in reality, they're human too. They deal yeah. with shit. Yeah. I used to feel that way though. I used to put athletes and I used to put like celebrities and influencers like on a pedestal. And then it wasn't too like, I don't know if you, either of you follow Nigel Houston, but he also posted something after the Olympics and was like about his like mentality and like how his self-talk and like, it was super, again, like to me, that was really inspiring because he was just like saying like, you know, sometimes I get in my head and, and, you know, I'll, I'll drink and to kind of like escape all that thought or I forget exactly what he said, but it's just like, I feel like that message is so important for people to hear because it's like, Oh man, like I experienced that stuff too. You know, it's like sometimes my boss is an asshole and you know, I, I want to just go drinking and eat tacos. (laughs) 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 Tacos and Philly (laughs) cheesesteaks. I'm grateful. My boss is a cool guy. It's myself. So (laughs) (laughs) for that (laughs) but yeah you know i did want to ask i know we're winding down here time-wise but i wanted to ask you Teresa, because i feel like this is really powerful and just from your own personal experience with the anxiety that you experienced like what was it that helped you you know because it's like I find a lot of times, like for myself, like I'm not a clinical therapist. I'm not a doctor. So I know there's like a fine line with, with coaching people, but a lot of times I just use my own experience as like, Hey, you know, we can relate. Yes. I've experienced that too. Anxiety or, you know, whatever. So like, what was it that helped you? Oh gosh. I like went through so much trying to discover that I did start off with like switching to yoga because I was like, well, maybe that'll change something up. And I was like, no, I need my cross step. I'm kind of my own good. (laughs) So that's my outlet for that. So I went back to that. Movement's huge. I'm sure as you guys know, as coaches and trainers, like movement's huge. Those endorphins, they're magic, whatever, they're magic sauce. Movement. And then just like, I mean, it took a lot of time weeding out certain people, certain things. Like I went through some pretty heavy stuff. I went through a divorce a year and a half ago. And I feel like I realized after that, like that person, certain people like weeding that person out all of a sudden, like so much was better. And just those little things that you don't even notice that you get rid of are what makes such a big impact. Like you said, your environment matters and it's just switching your environment being around people who are better for you and who are encouraging for you and taking breaks is a big thing. I'm one to just like work, 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 work and say yes to everything. And a lot of that was creating boundaries, slowing down, making myself like actually rest and do nothing instead of filling my time with, Oh, I can do this or, or I can finish this project or I can add this class just taking the rest and setting those boundaries is a big one. That's really so cool. many factors, but yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's, it's, I feel like that's what it takes. It's just, yeah. Because it, it's, it's something that I feel more people than not deal with, especially with anxiety and, and things like that. And for me, I mean, seeing a therapist has been huge. Therapy is that's another magic number. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Mm. Like I, I feel like now I'm even more of a proponent already. I was, Cause I saw therapists like growing up when my parents were going through a divorce, but it was never like the experience I've had over the last year. Actually, it's literally been exactly a year 
on Monday that I've been going to therapy and it's like happy therapy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel I'm such a proponent for it now because I've had so many powerful breakthroughs and working through emotions that like I didn't even realize were there. Like I just had a session on Monday and like was talking about things and it's so funny because it had to do with body image. I've actually been working, man, like I was talking about stories and and things that I forgot about, but held so much emotional space that I was like, what the hell? Like I didn't even realize that this held so much like tension and emotion in my body. And to be able to release that just okay. I feel like creates more space for creativity, for positivity, for abundance, for being able to be be free, like be free mm-hmm. internally. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well said, sir. Therapy. Well, and it, like, <laughs> I feel like therapy is good too for even if you feel like you don't need it. Like I tell everybody, like it's giving you those tools for when something does happen, you have something to fall back on instead of just like, oh, something happened. Now I need to go to therapy right. instead of addressing it beforehand and having those tools to fight it. Yeah. And the tools to work through the stuff that comes up in the moment, you know, because it's like, it's easy to like read something and be like, oh yeah, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, that, I get it. But then like when shit okay. hits the fan, being able to be like, oh yeah, okay. Like being mindful, you know, being aware of these yeah. emotions or being aware of this negative self-talk or whatever it may be. So I always say too, like people who say they don't need a therapist probably need a therapist. <laughs> and people who say like, oh. I think everybody should go to therapy. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. And like people who say like, oh, I don't have time to meditate. Somebody said this, or I read this quote the other day. It's like someone who says they don't have 15 minutes to meditate really needs 30 minutes to meditate, you know, because it's just like, you got to make that time. And if it's not meditation, it's just like you said, like doing nothing, like literally like parking my ass on the couch and just like not doing a damn thing. And that can be productive. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So cool. Cool. So Teresa, we, we ask every, or I've been making the intention to ask every guest that we have on. And Oh, good job. You did it this time. Wait, what'd you say? I said, good job. You did it this time. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I've been very inconsistent. <laughs> this question, but I like to ask people because our, the name of our podcast is performance for life. Like when you hear performance for life, like what does that mean to you? Like if, if you were just like, oh, performance for life. And I have an idea of what, you know, what you're going to say, but, <laughs> but what does that mean? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, performance is every little thing you do. Like I'm working, I'm performing, or I'm drinking water, I'm forming. And performance for life is for me, it's just encompassing that whole human and having yourself dialed in mentally and physically and like just being in your zone, in your flow of life, in your own little sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. <laughs> and owning that mess and just using that as your wheel and your fuel for life, just being a whole person and realizing you're messy, but you're beautiful. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that went yeah. kind of circles, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love all that. the caffeine today. <laughs> I know. I'm. I love. What do you drink? Do you have a specific? Do you just drink coffee? Like black? I love coffee. I actually had a rain the other day, and I did not. Do you know what rain is? Yeah, it's like, like an energy drink. I did not realize that has 300 milligrams of caffeine. 
Oh <laughs> my gosh, that's like a nitro cold brew from Starbucks. Yeah. And I already had coffee that morning and I'm very caffeine sensitive. So I drank it and then I looked at the can and I was like, oh, we're going to have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like geeking out. I'm so sensitive too. I'm like, I have like half of a cold brew from Starbucks and I'm like, eh, 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 <laughs> go on tangents and talk a lot. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Friends at the gym are always like, did you have too much coffee today? Did you have too much coffee today? <laughs> I, had, I had a couple of girls at, at my boot camp class last week. Like, Jay, you are on one today. Like, what, is, what did you do? I'm like, I just. Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Uh, Teresa, cool. I also want to let people know where they can find you. I feel like, you know, just from even us talking more, like we've got the chance to talk like when I was interning at NACOA and everything, but I feel like never really on this level. So where, where can people find you? Of course, your book. I don't remember the name of the book on Amazon or the journal on Amazon. But Yeah, I have a journal. It's called Live Limitless Daily Mindset Journal. It's on my Instagram. I am on Instagram most of the time at Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A underscore Raisbeck, R-A-I-S-B-E-C-K. And then through that, you can find my Limitless Instagram as well, but that's at Limitless Mental Performance on Instagram as well. I think that's the only platform I'm on. (laughs) I scroll through TikTok every so often, but I can't figure out TikTok yet. (laughs) Yeah, I I still haven't gone down the TikTok road myself either. It's a little crazy. Yeah, it's right. It's, it's, a, rabbit it's a rabbit hole. And I'm already like on Instagram and Facebook enough. I'm like, that's a whole. Right, that's hole. another one to get into. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you do coaching too? Like virtually? Like do you work with clients virtually? Cause I do virtual. Oh, oh my gosh. I do virtual coaching <laughs> one-on-one for teams. I do workshops. I can do in-person. Pretty much anything now that things are open, but I work with everybody from CrossFit athletes. I work, I work with baseball players. I work with people in business, moms, literally everybody is a performer. So I've, I've worked with them all. I've had experience with quite a bit of athletes. I've gotten lucky in my education. Yeah. So I do do coaching if needed. Cool. Cool. Well, seriously, thank you so much for coming on. Like, thank you. It's I remember like asking, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I don't know. Like she's, she's a busy person. I don't know if she'd come on. <laughs> so I really appreciate you taking the time. Like it, it means a lot. So I love it. Thank you.